so some of you know this, but I spent the night in Chicago uh, on Tuesday night. And that's a whole story. Um, but I decided on Wednesday morning that I would go for my long run, as is usual for a Wednesday morning. And the swanky hotel that I bummed a room in for the night with a friend um, had no less than seven treadmills, okay? So you kind of catch the picture. That was just the treadmills. While running, I noticed kind of down the wall away is this sign, and I think it said 45 minutes. Because apparently that was the amount of time that you were only allowed to be on the piece of equipment. Now, when my 45 minutes came around and I looked and there are three open treadmills, you better believe I kept running because I wasn't done, right? Rules, right? Whether they're posted, spoken, unspoken, um, these, these understandings that we have. I've navigated much of my life really appreciating rhythms, patterns, rules, laws, if you will. However, I've come to understand that not all rules, not all laws make any sense, right? More importantly, they're not always just. And when they are, I kind of get riled up about it, right? You might know that about me. Some of you are this way, right? And I love it. I love that some of us are this way. And honestly, I would say this, this kind of riled upness, if you will, um, probably fuels a huge chunk of my life's work, if I think about it. I am not going to go so far as to compare myself to the perfection of Jesus, who is wisdom, okay? But I will say that my understanding of Jesus' life's work is not far removed from this. This week, we are going to continue in the book of Matthew, looking at Jesus as wisdom, as teacher, and how his teachings inform our identity and the rhythm of our lives. The queer Bible commentary notes that the book of Matthew was written to an intended audience who would have been aware of not only Jesus's context, but also their own they would have remembered the overall context of Jewish history. And each of these contexts is about imperialism, colonialism, subjugation, and, and domination. In other words, the Matthian community is largely made up of marginalized people. And as Brittany shared a couple of weeks ago, the book of Matthew was likely composed in Syria, possibly in Antioch, maybe at a school setting, as the gospel's emphasis is really on teaching and on wisdom. It was probably written to a community composed predominantly of Jews, maybe Jewish Christians who had separated from Judaism, or Christian Jews who still located themselves within the ancestral faith, but saw Jesus' teaching as one interpretation of Judaism. All of that is really important as the queer Bible commentary continues to lay out that one is able to see Jesus's remarks concerning what the law says in a new light as a way of telling the marginalized of his own day, in other words, the peasants of Galilee, and the audience of Matthew's day, though still colonized by Rome, that the normative way of interpreting God's commands is not the only way. I'm going to say that again. 
one is able to see that Jesus' remarks concerning what the law says in a new light as a way of telling the marginalized of his own day and the audience of Matthew's day that the normative way of interpreting God's commands is not the only This is the good news, that wisdom, that Jesus still reveals to us today, reorienting us to the good road, inviting us to new rhythms, right? Our text for today is Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. And so we've actually not missed a beat, if you will, from our reading last week into this week. We're moving right along. And so, of course, that means also that this section is still within the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is sharing wisdom, teaching people how to see Creator's good road and beginning to make clear that we can't see the good road through the normative patterns or rhythms that we're used to. I did mention last week this formulaic pattern, if you will, in our text that says, you have heard it say, you have heard it said, but I say... Okay, And these texts become disruptions to the rhythms that we've created because wisdom then confronts the injustice or what is not as God intended. There's actually six statements characterized by this formula here in chapter 5. And the intent is to share the full meaning of the law. Of course, I want us not to forget that Jesus' interpretation of the Torah is what brings him into conflict, right, with other Jewish teachers. His way of being, his embodiment of wisdom gives the law a more radical dimension. So as I mentioned, there are six topics addressed with this formula. You have heard it said, but I say. They are murder and anger, adultery and lust, divorce or honoring women, oath-taking, retaliation, and enemies, okay? We're only going to talk about murder and anger today, and then next week we're going to look at enemies, so numbers one and number six, and I want to encourage you, if you feel like it this week, to look at the others in between with this lens, if you will, of wisdom. All right, so I, as I read the text out loud, if you've got a copy, um, feel free to follow along, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through whatever I decide to stop at. Um, You know, who knows? Maybe I'll just keep reading. Um, You've got some supplies in front of you. If you'd like to use them at this point, feel free as well. All right. You have heard that our ancestors were told long ago, do not take another person's life. And whoever does will have to answer to the tribal council. But I tell you, everyone who is angry toward a fellow human being will have to give an answer to the tribal council. If they speak with disrespect to someone, saying, you hollow head, they will also face the tribal council. If they curse someone by saying, you damn fool, they may end up in the valley of smoldering fire. So if you are offering a gift at Creator's Ceremonial Lodge, and there, are, and there remember that a tribal member has something against you, leave your gift and go make things right. Then you can come back and finish the ceremony. If someone has a complaint against you and takes you before the village council, work out an agreement before you get there. You know how to decide things for yourselves. 
the council might decide against you and turn you over to the ones who have the power to put you in prison. The truth is, there is no way out of there until honor has been restored. This is the word of the Lord. So just a few uh, brief exegetical points before we uh, move into some conversation here in a minute. Um, I want us to consider how Jesus is offering a new way of interpreting what has been understood as normative, okay, and reorienting us to the good road. So in, in verse 21, we have the phrase, to take another person's life. Of course, this is referring to murder, right? Of course, this law was passed down long, long ago, most obviously through the Ten Commandments, which we find in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. And whoever murders shall be liable to judgment or shall go before the tribal council. In most translations, the word judgment is used. And in the Greek, the word for judgment here is krisis, which means separation. This word is usually... Um, meant to refer to a trial where an opinion or a decision is given concerning, in particular, something that is just or unjust, right, unjust. This idea of separation, right, judgment as separation, squarely captures the result of sin, or what we might call missing the mark of what God intends. Verse 22 brings up anger. Clearly being angry is not prohibited, right? We all can, the first thing we think about, right, is, well, Jesus was angry. He turned over all those tables in the temple in the area that was only accessible, you know, for those folks who were marginalized. And he, you know, obviously he was angry. The word here for anger in the Greek is Orgizo, which means to provoke or arouse, and then when followed by an insult, you will be liable for judgment. There will be separation, right, as well. So an insult like you hollow head is actually, this is funny, this, it's, it's actually one word. It's raka, so maybe don't go around saying this when you leave here, it, which is an Aramaic word. What's interesting is that this word in particular was a word of contempt or actual abuse, right? That gets translated here as fool or empty head. If we keep reading, we we read about the valley of smoldering fire, which in many translations is um, translated as hell, right? The word in Greek is gina, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew words Uh, Gehenim, which is Valley of Hinnom. And this was a valley along the south side of Jerusalem. And in Old Testament times, it was used for human sacrifices to the pagan god Molech. And it it came to be used actually as a place where human excrement and rubbish were disposed of and burned. That phrase sounds familiar if you've played the game, the Bible is funny. (laughs) The place where human excrement and rubbish were disposed of and burned. Anyway, in the intertestamental period, this valley came to be actually understood symbolically as the place of divine punishment, right? So then the question becomes, all right, well, then 
hurling insults or curses at someone, what does this do to a person's life? Right? Is it all that different from taking one's life away? Because symbolically, it creates hell on earth, in other words. What I find interesting about the wisdom shared here in this text is that in order to know if anger is provoking you to take life rather than extend life to those around you, you have to actually pay attention to what is in you, what your body is telling you. I think that means that walking the good road means not being oblivious to how you embody wisdom, how you embody Christ here and now. Verse 23 says, So if you are offering a gift at the altar and someone has something against you, leave your gift and go make things right. I think wisdom makes clear that the law isn't just about rules. It's about congruency, about, about rhythm. You can't simultaneously be working to destroy life while contributing or gifting life, right? We participate then in the good road by honoring God. Honoring God cannot be done while simultaneously dishonoring God in the person whose life we're destroying or taking away. The wisdom shared here is that the good road is a path to right wrongs, if you will. It is ultimately a path of reconciliation. The good news is that we can experience God's patience or grace as we walk the good road because the good road means that we're learning, right? We're always becoming. There is room for growth, right, as we embody wisdom. Wilda Gaffney, I like how she frames this text. She says this, removing yourself from worship to do this, to go make things right, is physically embodying confession and repentance. Verse 25 says, work out an agreement or come to terms quickly as the NRSV translates it. This in the Greek is actually a word that means to wish someone well, or to be well-disposed or of a peaceable spirit. Well, the Gaffney continues in her commentary on this text, pointing out that Jesus' description of reconciliation puts the onus on the one who knows someone has something against them. The one who wronged or is accused of wrong, rather than the one who has been done wrong. This then can be read as a disruption of the power curve. It is not up to a victim to demand justice, nor should it be. Rather, rather the moral imperative belongs to the one accused of wrong. The good road means being aware enough of how our actions and words affect people. And there's a word of encouragement here in our text regarding this because it's sometimes a difficult task. It says, you know how to decide things for yourself. In other words, wisdom is within you. Christ is within you. Pay attention, you will know the way. And I like how the First Nations version wraps it up. 
There is really no way out of there until honor is restored. Truly, or amen, there is no way out of there, out of the hell being created on earth until honor is restored to Christ in the person in front of you and honor to God as you participate in the good road. As we head into a time of conversation here today and into our weeks ahead, I want to challenge us to be more and more aware of how the Spirit might be whispering to us. You have heard it said, but I say to you. May we become more and more aware of how our way of being embodies wisdom, extending life and participating in the good road, and how wisdom might be showing us the true meaning to living in the kingdom of God and reorienting us to establish new rhythms of being. This, too, is our life's work as followers of Jesus. May it be so. Amen. We're going to spend a few moments wondering together, if you will, in um, conversation in small group and large group formats, as we have been. As practice in your small group, if you can say your name and give a visual description, that's helpful, um, because we will to remember to do that as well uh, when we have larger group discussions. So um, there are three questions there for prompting conversation within the bulletin, um, and they are these. What piece of wisdom stands out to you in the text today? How does this passage speak to your identity or our identity? And then there's a moment for storytelling. If you've got um, stories of our particular faith community identity that come to mind or might be remembered through sharing when reading this text. All right, so I'm going to give a few minutes for small group, and then we'll come back to large group reflection.
All right. Anybody have anything uh, they would like to share from their group or personally um, as you've spent time reflecting and conversing? I will come near you so that the folks on Zoom can hear you. And um, this headgear is falling off of me. It's really annoying. <laughs> if you're like the folks in our group, you're like, these are some great words. We shouldn't use these words. <laughs> How do you say your name? I'm Autumn Schultze. Um, we, in our group, we talked about um, we talked about a lot of things, but I think kind of to sum it up, a lot of it came down to kind of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. You know, so we can have a lot of commands and and rules to keep, but in some ways that lets us off the hook too easy. Mm. And if we follow the spirit of law, there's more freedom, but it also kind of holds us to this higher standard. And um, and then just that idea that you know when when they asked Jesus what the greatest commands were, he really summed it up mm -hmm. beautifully. That it's you know how, what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself, and that that's that's how to live. Thanks, Autumn. Any resonance? Any words or phrases? And our group, too, did come back to the Jesus summing it up. Yeah. Love your neighbor. Yeah. I like the, the letter of the law lets us off the hook. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody else have anything? Try not to make things squeal. I'm Brittany. So I have like a little anecdote from like a, a memory of a Trinity mm. event. And so I was um, telling this group about a time I remembered from um, sometime in 2016 uh, when in a gathering, um, one of our um, members who um, doesn't come weekly, but is still a part of the Trinity family. Um, it was during the time where there was a possibility that our Muslim siblings would have to be registered. The, like either the president that had been elected or the person campaigning, I can't remember what part of 2016. Oh, I know, it's a bad story. <laughs> um, he had suggested that uh, Muslim Americans register because they were dangerous. And this person stood up and posed the question to the person preaching that day, um, what if we register as Muslims? Mm -hmm. um, 
like, what, what would you think about that? And her, like, I was saying, I remember distinctly that the way she phrased it was like, I'm going to register. Like, <laughs> I'm going, like, I, like, I know that that's lying. I know that that could get me in a lot of trouble. And, like, I'm going to mess up the system that is going to go in place that will hurt people that I care about. Um, and so it was like this very, and it was almost like a call and a challenge to our community about, like, um, this is something that we could do. It is against the law, <laughs> you know, like, um, and, like, we are going to be invited in multiple ways, not just this way, I think, to consider, like, what are we capable of and what are we willing to do and what are we willing to risk um, to stand, like, in opposition to what is happening. Um, and I just thought it was, like, very brave and it, it was, like, it definitely made me think about, like, oh, like, I had not um, considered, like, like, breaking the law before, you know? Like, I could have lost my teaching license, like, I really had it, guys. I'm a really good kid. <laughs> uh, but it was like, at the time I was teaching, I could lose my teaching license. Now I could lose my therapy license if I get, you know, if I do those things. And, like, other people could lose their lives. Like, what, like, what can I do and what am I willing to do for my siblings? Um, yeah. Any word or phrase or resonance? It's the and, the and, it's against the law and, yeah. Yeah, the conviction. All right. Fun texts. You can read the in-between texts. We're going to get to uh, enemies. <laughs> We're going to get to enemies next week. That'll be fun. All right, you can go ahead and scroll down to the Prayer of the People and Lord's Table Liturgy as we prepare to come to the table this morning.